Thank you, Faith. Thank you, Charity. As we think about Mark chapter 7, I want you to keep in mind what is happening in Mark chapter 7. Uh, we have in verses 1 through 4 of Mark 7 the setting that is taking place where we find the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you know, they gather around Jesus and they give Jesus a hard time because his disciples are eating with unclean hands. That re results in a question in verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Then we find in verses 6 through 16 that Jesus responds. In verses 6 through 8, he quotes from Isaiah. He says, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, but their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And then he gives an example of a tradition in verses 9 through 13, where someone would say, Corbin, as we discussed that last week, that would relieve them of their responsibility of caring for their elderly parents. And then in verses 14 through 16, he talks about uncleanness. In verse 14, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. When light of that, the disciples raise a question. Verse 17, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. That is the parable of nothing going in can make a person unclean. It's what comes out. So Jesus responds in verses 18 through 23. And he says, after he had left the crowd, or in verse 18, are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make him unclean. Now, as we think about this passage, we want to pick up with verse 14. Jesus had given an example of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees following traditions in verses 9 through 13. In verse 14, he says... Again, Jesus called the crowd to him. And keep in mind that his response to this point addresses the heart, not the mere outward action. So he calls the crowd to him and he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And again, the issue is 
eating. The issue is food. The issue is eating with unwashed hands. The issue is traditions. The issue is hypocrisy. Vincent Taylor says, and I quote, in laying down the principle that uncleanness comes from within and not from without, it stated a truth uncommon in contemporary Judaism, which was destined to free Christianity from the bondage of legalism. End of quote. Jesus is giving radical teaching here. Because at the end of verse 19, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now let's go back to Exodus, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11. We need to understand the mindset of the 12, the mindset of the Pharisees, and the mindset of the teachers of the law. Leviticus chapter 11. <clears throat> Leviticus 11 and verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live in the land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided, and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews its cud, does not have a split hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The coney, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a split hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a split hoof and completely divided, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. And then he goes throughout chapter 11, giving a list of regulations tied in with the Mosaic law as to what is clean and to what is unclean. So when we get to Mark chapter 7, we have the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're thinking in light of Leviticus 11. You know, there's clean, there's unclean. And then they had added to that traditions where you wash your hands in a certain way, and that created all kinds of difficulties. If you go to Acts chapter 10, we won't turn there, but in Acts chapter 10, which takes place after Mark 10, after Jesus ascended to heaven, we find in Acts 10 that Peter has a vision or sees a vision from heaven. And in this sheet that is let down from heaven, all kinds of animals are in the sheet. And what does God say? Peter, rise and eat. Now, Peter's a good Jew. There's no way he could rise and eat because there's unclean animals there. And this happens three times. And Peter ponders, what is the meaning of this? And that's when Cornelius, a Gentile, an unclean person, came. And Jesus, or rather God, is using the vision to Peter to say that the Gentiles are to be reached with the gospel. But he uses the issue of food. So please understand that for the scri or the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and even the twelve, not to grasp this is okay because they are following the Mosaic law. They didn't grasp verses 14 through 16, where Jesus said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. 
Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. The Jews were thinking, you eat certain foods, you're unclean. Jesus says, no. It's what comes out of the man that makes a person unclean. So the question, whatever form it took in verse 17, the disciples asked him about this parable. And Jesus says, are you so dull? The word dull means unintelligent or unenlightened. The disciples lacked understanding. They didn't get it. They're still thinking, food taken in makes you unclean. Jesus says, no, it's what comes out. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters from outside can make him unclean? He's posing a question to challenge them to think. And the question drives home their dullness, but also moves the discussion along. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? They didn't get it. James Edward comments, and I quote, their failure to understand is not the result of stupidity, nor are they in need of enlightenment, of some special instruction as in Gnosticism. Their lack of perception is related to a false understanding of this parable, similar to that of the outsiders. The parable cannot be understood from the outside, but by only by entering into it and seeing the reality depicted from within. The disciples are like a dog looking at the pointed finger of the master rather than at the object to which the master points. They are like people looking at stained glass windows of a cathedral from the outside. Their sight and understanding are correspondingly dull and lifeless. End of quote. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? Potato chips, M&Ms, Oreo cookies, carrots, a peach, or a tomato. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. What we take in eventually goes out of the body. And then he says, Mark says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So potentially, after this, Jesus could have said, hey guys, we're going to go out for pork roast tonight. And they would have, we can't. What did I just say? He's declaring all food clean. Now please understand that food continued to be an issue after Christ. After Christ was on this earth, food continued to be an issue. Look at Romans chapter 14. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. In chapters 1 through 11, he deals with doctrine. He deals with sin. He deals with salvation. He deals with what we have in Christ. He deals with the sovereignty of God. And in chapter 12, he begins to explain how this doctrine applies to day-by-day living. And in chapter 14 of Romans in verse 1, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One, man, one man's faith allows him to eat everything, 
But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So here again is the issue of food. This is after the time of Christ. And the issue here was some people would only eat vegetables and others would eat meat. Does that sound familiar today? You know, we've got the vegetarians and so on. And what is Paul's counsel? Don't look down on each other. Because he goes on and says, you know, we'll give an account for how we live and respond. We won't turn there, but in Colossians 2 and verse 16, we find that Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and the church in Colossae was facing some teaching where they said, you need to go through a series of beings to get to God. And in that context, Paul very clearly and very strongly pushes Christ. He says it is Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. Taking Colossae into the modern day, we judge some people who will eat chips and cookies and M&Ms. Boy, that's terrible. And these over here, ah, look here, I'm pretty good because I don't eat that junk. And these over here that eat the junk will look down on those that eat the healthy stuff and say they just don't understand the freedom that they have in Christ. But let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing to Timothy who was left in Ephesus to care for the church there. And he gives some guidance to Timothy how to lead and how to instruct. And he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now please catch verse 1. They will abandon the faith, follow deceiving spirits, and things taught by demons. So what is coming... In the next verse, is by those who abandon the faith, follow deceiving spirits, and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Now notice, those who abandon the faith to follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons who are hypocritical liars and their conscience is seared with a hot iron, they forbid people to marry. And they order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. It's pretty heavy-duty statements. 
Now think about Mark 7, 1 Timothy 4, and related passages as it relates to food and religion today. Food is a religion, an issue, or a food is an issue among religions today. Judaism has an emphasis on food. Roman Catholicism has an emphasis on food. Seventh-day Adventists have an emphasis on food. Christianity in some circles place a great emphasis on foods. Not listed on the wall would be Islam. Tremendous emphasis on food. Buddhism, an emphasis on food. What we're discussing in Mark 7 is very relevant to the culture in which we live today. And then when you think about what Paul says, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And then he says they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. The world hasn't changed a lot, has it? Now think about food in our culture. Today, we argue about natural versus processed. We have the animal rights movement, and they say don't eat any animal or any meat. We have those who push a vegetarian diet. We have many diets that are offered as the best. In light of some physical trials I've been through, I've been given all kinds of diets that I should follow. My mother-in-law years ago said, Dan, here's what you should eat. And she gave me all kinds of books. My mother said, Dan, I just read this book. It's about diet, and if you follow it, you'll probably get better. And then a host of others. Think about food, how much we hear today about school lunches and what is in a school lunch. Think about New York City, which I think made an ordinance, or they were discussing it, on the, you know, supersize soda. It ties in with food, what you take in. What is neglected in each and everything that we have mentioned? It is the heart. The same thing as in Mark 7. They were concerned about the outside, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. What goes into a man? Jesus says, no, it's not what goes in. It's what comes out that defiles him. And I'm not going to debate whether processed foods are not as good for you as natural foods and so on. The point that Jesus is making, what you take in does not make you unclean. So in light of 1 Timothy 4, if you want to go to McDonald's and order a Big Mac and sit down and say, Lord, I'm receiving this with thanksgiving, enjoy. Will you say there's some things in there that might not be good for you? I'm not debating that. Jesus' point is what you take in in that Big Mac is not going to defile you or make you unclean. Another person will say, ah, oh, my, we're going to have a fruit salad, and it's all grown naturally. Aren't we great? And Jesus says it's going to go into you. It's not going to make you any cleaner. Just receive it with thanksgiving. 
See, the issue of food tied in with Judaism, the Mosaic law, Jesus comes along and he declared all foods to be clean. I'll pose some questions, some food questions. What does our deep concern about food show us about our hearts? You may be in a diet and you may do much better on a good diet. Fine, more power to you, but it doesn't make you any more clean or unclean. Someone may be in a junk food diet, doesn't make them any more clean or unclean. You have to determine how your body responds. But what does our deep concern about food show about our hearts? Is it possible that food becomes an idol? What we eat or don't eat. Why aren't and why weren't the 12 equally concerned with the divisions and relational problems that come as a result of food than emphasis on food costs, you know, what it might result in. Stop and think about all the divisions that have taken place down through the ages in terms of Christianity, in terms of religions, and the division with food. Do we stop and think about those rather than the issue of just food? Again, we neglect the heart. Are we as concerned about our hearts, our attitudes, our motives, our desires, our beliefs, and our thoughts as we are about our diet? I watch my diet to some extent. That doesn't make me any more clean or unclean. So I can sit down with a brother and he's going to eat a whole bunch of junk stuff. I have to accept the fact that it doesn't make him any more unclean or clean. It might affect him physically, might not, I don't know. I'm not you know, out to judge all that. But are I, am I as concerned about the heart? Do rules concerning food pressed upon others mean one, means one nullifies the word of God? Joe, you must go on a sugar-free diet and no meat if you're going to be pleasing God. And I impose that on Joe, and I say, Joe, I'm the pastor. You better do this, or you're in trouble. What am I doing? Nullifying the Word of God. Because Paul said to Timothy, food received with thanksgiving. Are we as concerned about what we feed our heart as we are about what we feed our body? Because what we feed our heart is where our words and our actions and our attitudes come from. So for a long time, I didn't eat any potato chips. was I was equally concerned about what I took into my mind and didn't watch this program or listen to that program or read some certain materials. Was I was equally concerned. I can honestly say in all my health problems that I've had over the years, numerous people have come to me with about what I should eat. 
But it's been rare for someone to come to me and say, Pastor, you better be concerned about how you think and what you feed your mind as it relates to how you deal with your physical trials. Jesus seems to be saying, watch the heart. So I can eat everything right, and I may live to be 100 years old. But if I don't guard my heart, what's going to come out? Those evil thoughts will be displayed, those cutting words, that malice, that envy, that hatred. And Jesus is saying, you know, it's what comes out. So some conclusion as we wrap it up. All foods are clean. They're okay to eat. You say, is it good to take chemicals into your body by processed food? I'll let you determine that. But it doesn't make you clean or unclean, is what Jesus is saying. Foods eaten cannot make one unclean. Jesus clearly says that. You may have convictions concerning food. But don't make them a rule or standard to measure spirituality. Now, everyone who eats peaches, fresh peaches, they move up a notch spiritually. No. Because a peach can't make you clean or unclean. Be concerned with your heart. Your attitudes, your motives, your desires, thoughts, since your action springs from your heart. Ruthann gets her migraine headaches and she takes some medication and that helps. My much greater concern in the midst of her headaches is not what medication she takes, what she takes into herself, it's what's going on in her head and in her thinking because she could become a very bitter, angry woman who maybe has no headaches but hasn't dealt with the heart because of what she took in. Individuals, religions, leaders who make rules concerning food reveal their heart. In essence, food is an idol in some form. Now, when they make the rules, it's not wrong to say it's not good to eat this, for a doctor to say not good to eat this. But when they make a rule and you determine spirituality by it and so on, then you run into problems. Enjoy the food you eat, but don't let it control you. Exercise self-control. It seems like some things never go away. And one of them that doesn't is the issue of food. It's been around for many, many years, and it probably won't go away. Live in light of Christ and what he says. Just don't impose your convictions on everyone else. We don't want to make rules as it relates to food. We want to deal with the heart, and we'll look at the heart in Mark 7 in the future.